Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to part one of episode number 113 of my 60 Music Podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. So first of all, I'd like to welcome all you to part one of episode number 113 of my sexy music podcast, Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and for those of you who are just now discovering this podcast, either on the Apple Podcast app, or in Stitcher, or on iHeartRadio, on Google Play Music, or on Spotify, and you're wondering, so what the heck is, I'm just going to give you a brief description of what the show is all about. Okay, so I'm Sam Williams, and I'm a 24-year-old songwriter slash producer, but I'm also a huge 60 music fan slash expert slash nerd, and uh, each week of this podcast, I take one song by one artist from the 60s and put the show in two parts. First part, I'm to talk about my opinion of the song and why I think it's so good, or why I think it sucks into my own personality on the arrangement of the song, which will include the chords, melody, and lyrics, and the second part, I show dig deep into the history behind that track. And that part of the show talk about who wrote the song, who produced it, who were the musicians on the track, whether it be the band members or studio musicians themselves, uh, who the history behind the writers that wrote the song, the artists that sang it, and the producers that produced it, um, what studio the song was recorded at, where that studio was located at, what label the song was released on, where that label was located at, and the peak position the song made up originally in the Billboard Hot 100 charts when it first came out in the year month it was released. All that is in the second part of the show. Now, before we move on this week's episode of the podcast, I actually want to give you guys some some, some update on something that actually happened to me recently. And this is kind of cool. This is something that's definitely related to what I talk about on my podcast. But before I do that, let me just give you a little backstory so that way you guys know exactly what is happening before I tell you guys a specific story. Um, so a long time ago, before I uh, did this podcast... I want to say when I was like a teenager, I before I even before I really knew where I was musically with my songwriting, uh, I was always fascinated by, you know, I st- and I still am fascinated by the groups of studio musicians that played on hit records. And, you know, it's for me, it started with finding out about the Funk Brothers and musicians who played on the Motown records. And once I figured out who those guys were, then I learned about the Wrecking Crew and the guys in Muscle Shoals and some other groups of studio musicians. Um, and one thing I noticed was that a lot of these guys were getting a lot of love in the press and were getting a lot of credit and recognition. They were getting documentaries made about them. It was really they were getting a lot of, you know, great attention. But then there were other groups of studio musicians like the groups in Nashville and Chicago that weren't really getting as much love and attention in the media or as much credit and recognition for the stuff they did they did play on. You know, because like I talked about this before on my podcast, the music business was so spread out back in those days. It, was, it wasn't like just New York. and It wasn't just like now with L.A. and Austin. I mean, it was just so spread out. I mean, there was New York, L.A., Nashville, uh, Chicago, Memphis, um, you know, Detroit. I mean, there is just so many parts of the country where there is a music business and every city had their own group of studio musicians that backed up the artists in the recording studio. And, you know, and I and when I discovered about the Wrecking Crew, when I discovered about the Funk Brothers, that also led me into my cur- burning curiosity behind, you know, the group of guys who were based in New York. Now, the New York group of studio musicians were very are today's this day still very unknown. 
I mean, there is a lot that's known about those guys. Not, but for the most part, it's very little information is really known about those musicians. And I mean, if you, I mean, of course, and a lot of times, like the actual personnel, like the musicians that played on those records, is very difficult to find. You know, because they rarely got credit back in those days on the albums and on the forty-five singles. And, you know, before I did this podcast, I was actually thinking about writing a book about those guys and just giving them their much overdue uh, shine of light that they needed for quite a long time. And uh, back then, I was talking to two musicians who were very much a part of that scene, Artie Kaplan and Al Gargoni. And, uh, you know, just to give you guys a little taste of how much great music came out of New York at that time. I mean, aside from the Brill Building, of course, we've talked about it, but... I mean, just some of the hits that record in New York. I mean, Sugar Sugar by the Archies, Can't Take My Eyes Off You by Frankie Valli, Brown and Girl by Van Morrison. I mean, there's just so many iconic, so many really, really great, hugely well-known songs that were recorded in New York without the Wrecking Crew or the Funk Brothers because they were both in L.A. and Detroit, and they weren't really working in New York at that time. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I used to talk to Artie Kaplan and uh, Al Gargoni, and uh, Artie actually got to reconnect with Artie um, this week. And it was so cool because I hadn't talked to him in like five years. Because the reason why I kind of gave up on that project, by the way, as far as, you know, uh, getting, you know, getting that off the ground was that I felt like, you know, it, it didn't, didn't it feel, I felt like it really, people needed to know, people needed proof as to what, uh, who, what records these guys played on because, you know, I mean, this music happened so long ago, and some a lot of these guys don't really remember that much anymore as far as what happened because this music was recorded like 50, 60 years ago. You know, so as their their memories are fading. So a lot of times what they might think who was actually on the record, they might not be correct. You know, but what's proof about who played on what was on the original uh, AFM union contract for the sessions. And uh, I had a, I actually had a hard time getting a hold of those contracts for those New York recording sessions because, you know, I was fighting with the union trying to at least get the names off the contracts, but they wouldn't even let me do that, you know. So, uh, but fast, let's. But this was like back in 2010, right? So this was when I was, you know, like 14, 16 years old. Uh, let's just fast forward a little bit to right now in 2020. I reconnected with Artie Kaplan, and he was very, very gracious to let me to lend me some pers- some information about those records. And he emailed me, and, and he said, and I and told him about my podcast. And he said, uh, you know, if if I want more information, uh, I, I I should send him an email with with uh, basically any questions I had about the records he played on. And if he can't remember any of the information that might be important, he could send pass off to people he knows that were there probably have better memories than he does about those records and it's cool because you know when i get to talking about a lot of the songs he played on my podcast uh you know just like records like hey girl one fine day and come a little bit closer and some really really good songs they i mean one two three and once i get to talking about a lot of those records on the podcast i'll be able to you know utilize his information and utilize him as a source you know instead of just me always pulling from like wikipedia you know but uh, it's cool because he was there on he was on those recording sessions and he knows people that were also there, too, that are still around. So um, it's cool to be able to get to talk with him, reconnect with him. Um, I'm not sure if I was a guest on my podcast, but it's cool to have a resource like him still around and still be still be so easily accessible for me, at least. 
so yeah, so it was very nice to get to catch up with him. Um, you know, and I just want to let you guys know that because once they get around to talking about those records, then that's when I'll use them as a resource, you know, and so that way it's not just coming all from like Wikipedia, if you know what I mean. But it was so cool to catch up with him. And let's get started in this week's episode. And this FYI, if, if there's any weird background noise happening with this week's episode of my podcast, I apologize. I'm actually not in my usual spot this week where I normally do my podcast. I'm somewhere else right now. Uh, so that's why you're hearing some of those weird airplane noises going on because I'm definitely not in my usual area where I do my podcast. So I apologize for that. And also just an FYI, I actually this this conversation happened over the phone with him. So I was very, uh, you know, happy to get to talk to him. He still had the same number. He would still give me some time to talk. And it was really great to reconnect with him. But um, anyways, uh, let's get started in this week's song, shall we? Okay, so speaking of New York records, this is a New York record, and I want to kind of switch things up and, you know, you know, talk about a band this time. And uh, this song I'm about to do this week, it's, it's an interesting song. There's a lot going on as far as the music and uh, the lyrics is concerned. Tons of interesting things happening. I mean, it's it's not just your, it's not a basic song. There's There's very, very few... Uh, you know, basic chord changes happening with this song. There's a lot going on. Um, you know, it's one of those songs that it's you might it might be difficult for you to understand what's going on lyrically too, because there's a lot of metaphorical, uh, colorful imagery happening with the lyrics for this song. And I'll talk about that too in the second part. I mean, the second half of this part one episode of this podcast. You know, but uh, it's an, it's a really cool song because the, you know it's just so interesting you know with the arrangement you know because there's a lot of cool playing in this song you know it's it's the con the arrangement is very complex and but it's just so in-depth it's so beefy and it just sounds incredible it's a really well written song and a very well recorded song too because this song sounds amazing and recorded you know it definitely sounds like it was recorded yesterday that's how good it sounds but um all right, so let's just get to it. Okay, so the song came out in April of 1966. It's by a group called The Circle. The name of the song is called Red Rubber Ball. <laughs> This and I learned it very well. Now I know you're not the only starfish in wow. the sea. Yeah, you can tell just by listening to that, there's a lot going on as far as this song is concerned musically. There's a ton of things happening. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's one of those songs that there's so much going on as far as the music is concerned. It. But it's kind of cool because it's still pretty easy to listen to. But while we're at it, let's talk, let's talk about what makes a song so good, both musically and lyrically. But as always, let's get started with the song's music. Okay, so we got a lot to unpack here, folks. There's a lot of things happening as far as the song's music is concerned. Uh, but first, uh, to get kind of things started, let's just talk about what's going on with the chord progression. Because one thing you've noticed is that in this, if you if you if you listen to the song, one thing you could kind of 
pick up pretty quickly is the fact how quickly the chords change and how there's not there aren't very many chords that you know let me just put it to you this way when you hear chords coming at you really really quickly and you know it's just it, it feels like there's a chord change every two beats and in the music world when there's a chord change every two beats we call that two four instead of four four and let's just talk about that for a minute okay so in four four for those of you aren't there who aren't musicians who don't know music theory don't know what that is basically what it means is that when you we, we measure time based off of how many beats there are in a single measure in a piece of music and four four basically means there's four beats in the measure so one measure equals four beats another measure equals another four beats so essentially there's four beats in a single measure and that's how you measure time within music now of course you know we can get really into the weeds of this we can talk about odd meter and different time signatures but for the basis of this particular kind of music let's just stick to four four okay so when there's four beats in the measure what happens typically is that usually uh, there, the, when there's four beats in the measure, the chord rings out for the entire four beats in one single measure. But in 2-4, it's a little different because instead of four beats in the measure, it's two beats in the measure. So essentially, you will only have two beats in a single measure versus four. And it's kind of interesting when you think about that because when there's only two beats in a measure, that means that another chord change has to happen after the after those two beats are done. And that's actually kind of cool if you think about it, because in this song, you'll notice that there's two beats go by, you know, one chord, another two beats go by, another chord. And then basically it just there's this constant change of chord chords happening with this particular song. And trust me, that is all over the place with this particular record. There's a lot of chord changes happening. And it's interesting because with this particular song, because there's there's two beats in, in a single measure, right? So when you hear that, you hear the sense of urgency happening because there's a lot going on because there's two beats in a single measure. So that means there's a, chord, there's a different chord every two beats. And it, it's kind of overwhelming if you think about it, but it's just, you know, when you hear that, there's you hear a sense of urgency, like the song's kind of rushing it. And look, I mean, if you feel like the song feels rushed, that's okay. I totally agree with you on that. I'm not disagreeing with you on that whatsoever. But this, but the urgency with the song, the fact that a chord, a chord change happens every two beats is really, really cool. And look, it's I like this throughout most of the song where there's a couple different parts where you don't really hear that uh, two-beat chord change. And those sections are the chorus and in the intro. Now, in the intro, it's just basic 4-4. Four, four. You know, you know, basically you have, you know, uh, a chord change happening every four beats versus two. But it's like that in the chorus, too. But the interesting thing about the chorus is that the rhythm changes because you hear this. You hear this kind of two, four kind of rhythm happening in the verses. But in the chorus, you hear this bump, boom, 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 boom. Now, if you don't know what that rhythm is, that's basically called a biome rhythm. A biorhythm is a is basically a uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a rhythm that originated from Cuba. It's a Cuban rhythm that you know you hear in a lot of different records from the sixties, particularly the ones made in New York and some in Los Angeles. But 
particularly the ones made in New York, but that Cuban rhythm, you hear that in the chorus, you know, where the guitar is happening, and you can, you can, you really, you can really get, you can, you really feel that rhythm pulsating so much in the chorus, you know, the boom, 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 I mean, you hear that so prominently in the chorus that it just, again, it, that rhythm also creates a very big sense of urgency happening. It feels like there's a certain set of, the song is definitely being rushed, and you can hear that so much in the, in, in the chorus of that song. Also, as far as the instrumentation is concerned, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. First of all, the organ in the song is really, really cool. I mean, he the, here's a that this is one of the other hooky things about the song that make it so interesting is the organ because the organ plays this fantastic melody in the intro and after each chorus, and even he even sneaks it in during the during the verses too. But that melody is so cool because it, it just it creates this cool, neat little layer happening within the song. It almost kind of sounds like a circus calliope melody, but it sounds incredible. It just it really adds the depth within the arrangement and the guitar playing under that melody is just really really cool too because it almost kind of sounds like a 12 string or it might be a six string i'm not entirely sure but man it sounds amazing and that coupled with the bass and the drums and the acoustic guitar i mean there's so much depth within the song's arrangement and once you get to the chorus this is when it gets interesting too because when you get to the chorus you hear the tambourine going really hard and you hear the electric guitar going really hard because basically the electric guitar is playing that by own rhythm and then you hear the tambourine keeping the beat on every every four, every four beats but man when you hear that it just sounds incredible it really really sounds good and all this is happening and here's the other thing about this song is that it was originally recorded in stereo so if you want to listen to the song i would highly recommend you listen to it in stereo because that's when you're going to get the full width and depth the entire and the entire complexity of the arrangement of the song the only way you're really going to hear that is if you hear the original stereo mix of the song because the stereo mix is going to give you so much of that whole depth and that the whole wide range complexity of everything going on with the arrangement of the song you're really only going to hear that in the stereo mix of the song and you can find it on spotify too when i when i i'll add the song to my spotify playlist for this podcast and if you're on spotify you'll get to hear the the stereo mix of the song you know because it's just so cool it's amazing you know and it just it, it was recorded so well I mean, it just every the, all the layers in the song are just absolutely incredible. And on top of that, when you have all those chord changes happening every two beats, there's a key change <laughs> after the second chorus, and you're like, "What the actual fuck?" Because you're like, "Man, what's happening?" I mean, there's a, there's a key change, and then you're like, "What?" It goes from A to B flat. But actually, this is kind of cool because I like this part of the song because when it goes to B flat. You can really hear the again the urgency is so heightened with the song. It just sounds incredible. Also, one other thing I want to know, know to you about the song, what makes it so cool musically, is the two part harmonies going down. The two part harmonies are really cool too. They sound very unique. The vocal, the vocals in the song don't really sound like anyone else. They sound very, very distinctive, very much like their own sort of sound. This band had a very unique sound. It's very hard to mistake them for anyone else, but man. Do they sound cool? Now, aside from the the, the two beat uh, you know chord changes happening, and by the way, it takes a break from that too, 
because there's one part of the verses where you know it actually does ring out for four beats, and then you have the the electric guitar and the organ playing that hook note, hook melody. But anyways, that just there's a little there's you see little breaks from that happening, and the double chorus at the end is really cool too. Really cool too, like when it gets to B flat. I like that a lot as well. Um, but other other than that, um, another cool part about this song, I like and I really like this too is the you know the chord changes aside from the two beats changing a chord each time every two beats um i love the the, the theory behind the song because there's a lot of modal interchanges happening lots of them i mean for starters i mean you know look there's not re you don't really hear too much of it in in the beginning verses because basically in the beginning verses it's like one six four five and then you hear one and three in the four one and then one three four five and then four five one six and then and then two three and then four and then after the four chord you hear a, a really cool major three chord and that's that's pretty sick you know because you hear that you hear that major three chord and you're like wow that's actually pretty cool and it's basically a C sharp major after that major three, and it just sounds really, really cool. I like that a lot. And then basically, when you get to the chorus, it's like you know the six, and then you have, and then you have, and then you have the two, and then the five, and then four, and then you're back to one. I mean, there is, you know, there is a lot of. And look, you can kind of get used to the song structure when, when, when everything gets kind of repeated because you hear the chord progressions kind of repeated over and over again with the song. And again, there's a couple different uh, added sections to it. Like after this first chorus, you hear that little refrain section with that calliope organ hook melody played by the organ and the really cool 12 strings slash six string electric guitar playing playing beneath that. You hear that after the for the first chorus and then it kind of goes back into the song section. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff happening with this song. It's very, very unique as far as the arrangement and the chord progression is concerned, you know, with the two, four happening and all those different chord changes happening in the song. And the key change really makes it cool because I love these two keys, A major and B flat major are really good. They're two of my favorite keys ever. And that's why I love them so much. And yeah, so this song definitely has some so much beef to it. And, uh, you know, and we'll talk about some of you might wonder if these guys are actually playing on the record. We'll talk about more of that next week. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a really, really cool record. But anyways, let's get let's dive into the song's lyrics. OK, so let's dive into the song's lyrics. OK, so as much as there, as there is going on with the song's uh, music, there's a lot happening as far as the lyrics, too, because, you know, there's a lot of you know, figurative language going on with the song's lyrics, a lot of metaphors and similes, but let's break all that down right now. Okay, so one thing, even though the song has a complex lyric, uh, one thing that isn't too complex, that's very simple and very easy to understand with this song, is that it's clearly about a breakup. And a, and this is kind of like, and if when it, and it kind of feels like, when you listen to the song, it feels like it doesn't feel like it's as it's happening, but it kind of feels like a, an aftermath breakup song. And you can kind of tell because he's saying a lot of things in past tense. And he's talking about this girl, right? You know, he, you know, and look, when you listen to the song, you know, he, he doesn't feel that bitter about the breakup. You know, he kind of understands that he probably could have saw it coming in the first place. And, you know, he, and he understands that, you know, it might have been from, something that you know he could have he might have been something from him 
So he would he's not really surprised if 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 she if she completely disappears from his life. And but he at the end of it, he comes he has an optimistic attitude about it, even and he doesn't feel as much regret or remorse about the breakup. And he at the end, he's like, okay, you know, the every all the pain and all the heartache for this breakup is done now. Uh, The morning sun is is basically shining like a red rubber ball. So, you know, that's basically the, the, the emphasis. That's what the lyrics of the song are about. You know, and and he kind of he look. There's a lot of emotional complexity happening with the song because when you get to the the the, the second verse, um, you know, it's like you know he talks about how he feels like you know you know this girl treated him like an ornament, something that you know he played with a lot of, you know, she played with a lot of his emotions, and it, there's a lot happening, and you know. And he and basically he, he he felt like she was running around and never really caring about him at all. With I mean, it's just a lot going on with the song. I mean, you know. And here's the one actually one of the coolest metaphors in the song, and it, it's it, it in this in, is actually in the third verse because there's three verses in this song. There's the first verse, second verse, and then when the key song he changes keys. It actually goes into a third verse, and this is when he really solidifies himself as, you know, someone that is moving on from this girl. He doesn't want her. He doesn't need her anymore, you know. And he just realizes that, you know, it's 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 over. It's done. There's nothing else I can do. I'm I'm done. I'm. It's it's like everything has already happened. The ship uh, ship has already sailed. Um, you know, I've been through all the heartache and all the pain I need to go through. I, I need to move on. And you can really hear that in the, the third verse of the song when he basically says this. The roller coaster ride I took is nearly at an end. I bought my ticket with my tears. That's all I'm going to spend. And when you listen to that, you know, he, when, when he says when he says the roller coaster ride, he's talking about the break, the, the emotional roller coaster ride he had with him and his girlfriend. And you can really hear that in this song pretty well. And look, I mean, you know, and also that that's actually a pretty cool metaphor. He's comparing a physical roller coaster ride with the rocky relationship, rocky breakup he had with his ex. And that's something a lot of people talk about when they talk about like a breakup. They often refer to it as an emotional roller coaster ride because a lot of times it is an emotional roller coaster ride for a lot of people. I'm not speaking from experience because I've never been through a breakup, but you can kind of you can under you can kind of get that if it were ha- if it were to happen to you, it would be kind of an emotional roller coaster ride, you know. And he's talking about how he bought his ticket for that roller coaster ride with his tears. And that's when you realize that, yeah, a lot of he went through a lot of pain and suffering during this breakup. But he realizes that it's basically at the end, it's over and I, and I want to and need to move on, you know, and, 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 and that's kind of the common themality with this song, because there's a lot of breakup songs where you feel like the guy isn't moving on from his ex. He's still attracted to her. He can't get over her. He, you know, he's not quite done yet. There's a, he, he's, there's a lot of emotional bag, that baggage that he left for his ex. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of breakup songs that are like that. He can't get over. It. He doesn't understand why it happened. He doesn't know what he doesn't know what went wrong that caused the breakup. And there's a lot of songs like that, too. And he can't get over her. And he, she's trying to win her back. But this song isn't like that. He understands what, what happened. 
he he knows that was probably expected of him and he realizes that he needs to move on from this girl he doesn't want anything to do with her anymore and he realizes that you know he's already gone through all the pain and suffering that he wants to go through with this girl and he's ready to move on with this life and this is one of those songs that's like that you know he he's basically ready to part ways with this girl you know and he realizes that you know it's it does it's no it's no surprise to him as to as to why she broke up with him and he understands that he she 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 might not have been right for him in the first place and he re, he he's realizing that so much within the song and you know it's again it's not something i can personally relate to but i'm sure if you've ever been through a breakup this song will speak to you because I'm sure you've, you know, you've, you've had a, you've had, you've been through a toxic relationship and you, you've gone through a lot of pain and suffering during the toxic relationship. And if you have the songs for you, because the song perfectly describes that to a T and it's, you know, we've all been th- a lot, a lot of people have been through breakups where, you know, it's not necessarily a bad breakup. It's just that, you know, you went through a lot of pain, suffering and heartache through it. But at the end you're like, okay, that's done. I'm, I'm over. It's over. I'm ready to move on. I, I'm no, I'm not surprised as to why it happened i mean i should have expected in the first place and you know i wouldn't be surprised if we never see see or speak to each other ever again you know and 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 look in the days of social media that might be kind of hard because you know you might have to block them on instagram or facebook or whatever or tiktok but really you know back then it was a lot easier to do that because none of those things existed but i mean that's just my take on the arrange the you know look the whole morning sun is shining like a red rubber ball. That doesn't make any sense to you. I get it because a red rubber ball doesn't shine. It's just it, it, it looks more like a black, like a like a rubber red hole. It doesn't really shine. But I mean, that you know, there's a lot of poetic license happening with the song. Not all of the metaphors make sense. But, it you know, what does make sense is that the song was clearly about a breakup. And you can really hear that when you listen to the lyrics of the song. So that concludes part one of episode number 113 of my 60 music podcast millennial throwback machine i'm sam williams and if you like my analysis on this week's song and you thought it was really cool and you thought it was interesting and you went and you were like wow i've never heard this song before it sounds really really good though and i can definitely relate to these lyrics because you know i'm i'm a millennial and i've been through exactly what this guy went through when he wrote this song so i can definitely relate to it you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I might not be a baby boomer, but I can definitely relate to these lyrics. And this is a really cool song. I like it a lot. And if you're like that, you can email me at samltwillieicloud.com. Or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at iheartoldies. And check out more of my original music at samwilliamsmusic.net. Um, also, um, you know, just 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 a, just a thing I say at the end of every episode of my podcast. Uh, if, you, if you liked, you know, all the songs I talked about on my show so far... You can listen to them all through the Spotify and YouTube playlist for this podcast. And there you'll be able to find all the songs I've talked about on my show so far, including some ones I mentioned in interview episodes. And if you found and if you and if you listen to those playlists and you get a good idea for the kind of music I I uh, if you get if you listen to those playlists and if you got a good idea for the kind of music I talk about on my show and if you want to suggest some songs to me, some songs I haven't talked about on my podcast yet that I should cover next, please send me those suggestions at samltwilliamicloud.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at iheartoldies and uh, or go to my website, samwilliamusic.net, and click on the contact button for that. Um, but yeah, so um, 
Also, you can check out the official Redbubble merch store for this podcast. Would love it if you guys could check it out. Let me know what you think of the logo on there. Uh, it's a pers- it's a logo that I personally came up with design for. It's someone else's design. It's really really cool. Um, you know, I would love to, I love to know what you think of the logo, and also the prices of each item in the store. You can do that by emailing me at samltwilliamicloud.com. And yeah, also before I end this podcast, I actually kind of want to give you guys an update on something. Um, I might be having another guest on my podcast by the end of October. And it might be for episode 120, it might be for episode number 16. I'm not really sure. I'm kind of just, I hit the milestone with episode 100, so I'm not really trying to be like, oh, I'm only going to do one for episode 130. I mean, I, I, I'm, at, I'm at over 100 episodes, so I'm kind of just not really focused on when to do these interview episodes. They'll just be sporadic. I mean, whenever I can do them, really. But um, the next guest I might have on my podcast um, she originally expressed interest in being on my show, but here's the thing. So this is going to be a little different this time, and I'm not really sure if you guys are going to like this. You might not, but if you don't, please let me know. Email me. I really appreciate it. If you're, if there's one guest you're just not a fan of, well, I'm not, uh, just let me know, and I'll and I'll and I'll and I won't have someone like her on the show again. But this is going to be a little different than what I'm used to doing on my podcast because. Uh, what's going to make this guest so different versus all the other people I've had on my show is that this girl wasn't alive in the 60s. She's actually around my age. I think she's a couple years older than me, but that's besides the point. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not necessarily me interviewing her about 60s music. She's actually going to be interviewing me uh, because you know she is not as schooled or educated about music from the 60s as I am. So what's going to happen with this particular interview is that she's going to ask me a bunch of 60s music-related questions that I'm going to answer with her when I talk to her on the phone. And basically, she's going to kind of interview me and talk to me about my history on 60s music and what are some of my favorite artists and just some general questions about what the music industry was like back then, who are my favorite artists, all of that. And she's going to interview me questions related to that uh, it's going to be kind of like a Q&A, except instead of me asking her questions, she's going to ask me questions. And this is all for her personal education on 60s music because she's not very knowledgeable about it. And this will be kind of cool because you'll actually get to see me, you know, almost teaching someone live. And, you know, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to teach her about a lot of this music live when I enter, when, when I have her on my podcast. Because I'm, she's going to be interviewing me and asking me questions about sexy music, and I'm going to answer them. And she's going to learn a lot about that genre of music from you know listening to me giving her answers about this stuff. And uh, her name's Cat Hamilton. She's got uh, a new album coming out very soon. And uh, you know, basically, she want she expressed interest and in wanted to be on my podcast. So I just want to let you guys know that. So. It's going to be a little different because she wasn't there in the 60s. She wasn't a musician or a songwriter from back then. But it's going to be cool because I'm going to ed- be educating her about this stuff. And she's a millennial. That's kind of my goal with this podcast. You guys know that my ultimate goal with this podcast is to teach millennials about this stuff. Well, with this particular episode, I'm going to be doing it live when I'm talking to her, you know, with this particular episode of this podcast. I'm going to be like actually having a conversation with her about this stuff. I'm going to be educating her about a lot of these bands and artists from the 60s that she may not be very familiar with. So that's going to be really cool. Can't wait for you guys to listen to that. Um, I'll let you guys know when the next really big 60s 
artist or so, or songwriter or musician is going to be on my podcast, but I'll let you guys know that. Um, I still haven't figured that out yet. But yeah, so um, I'm Sam Williams, and thank you guys for joining me for this week's episode of my podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Till next week, police! Keep things groovy. Yeah.